Hi, and welcome to today's podcast. It's Wednesday, August 4th, and this might be very uncomfortable for uh, for the both of us. For the most part, I can't remember having anybody in for the podcast in a long, long time. Um, it's been weird, but it was also weird to find out that one of our co-workers here is running for city council. And since he is a, co- a co-worker, he's allowed to be in the building. Do I introduce you as council hopeful James Cushlin? Because you're just Cush to me and everybody else. <laughs> I kind of like that. I kind of like that, actually. That's a good one. City council hopeful yeah. James Cushlin. Ooh, that sounds good. I like that. Um, It might be weird for you because... Well, I mean, have, all right, let me set all this up. So, Cush works here at the radio station with everybody else that uh, that you might hear me mention on the air of the show. And Cush basically oversees everything on our ESPN station. Um, you are maybe not the biggest, but definitely the loudest sports fan I know. Yeah, I, I tend to be loud. I mean, you'll probably have to adjust those levels right now, more you, or less. You are like an you are like a like a plane landing at the airport, but that's that's great. So, Cush uh, oversees all the stuff on on ESPN. We'll we'll do some sports stuff too sure. uh, later on. Um, but I'm I'm reading WTOL.com a couple of weeks ago to see uh, who's. Who's gonna get in the running here? As names needed to be turned in on time to run for uh, for for city council, and I I have a friend. His name uh, he was connected to me, so I'm like, sure, I'll have you on. We we seem to you you know good people. So I sure. had Daniel Ortiz on. He lives in the old West End. He's going for one of the at large spots. I met him during uh, uh, trying to gather signature petitions. Good guy. Good good. Seems Dan seems like a good dude. A lot of newcomers running this year, yourself included. And then I'm scanning the WTOL list. I and I see. James Cushlin. And really, honestly, I thought your legal name was just Cush for the longest time. I mean, yeah, it, it could easily be that. <laughs> I mean, maybe I should look into changing that when all this is done sometime. But uh, yeah, everybody obviously, you know, ar- around these parts are, are through the airways. Lit knows me as Cush, uh, babbling about sports things when I can, you know, over on the ticket, trying to keep all of the, the fun games because that's always been my, my MO since I essentially took over that position was, hey, you know, let's make sure we get some live games and see what we can do for, for some other sports stuff. I know we're between some things right now and, you know, having to move and that whole story from 106.5 to 100.7 was yep. its own thing <laughs> that we're still trying to, you know, kind of sort through. And obviously because of this, any ideas I have of finally having uh, my own show, obviously those are put on a, a little bit of a hold right now, which I have no problem with. So I remember I'd get some phone calls. I have a friend that uh, that oversaw the Lions radio network and he's like, I'm trying to reach out to you guys um, and I'm trying to find a a Jim Cushlin. I'm like, I don't know who that is. They're like, he's the contact for Cumulus. Oh, you mean Cush? <laughs> so we, and then I'm reading this WTOLS. I see James Cushlin. At this point, two weeks ago, I knew that that was your name. We're on emails. We know each other's legal. Sure. We know everybody's legal name around here. And I, I take a snapshot. I take a screenshot and I send this to Jerry. I said, Jerry's our boss here. He oversees all the programming stuff. He said, there's got to be another James. Cush- there's got to be more than one James Cushlin in Toledo. Um, not that it's a, a Smith or a Wilson, but I had no idea that our coworker had aspirations to run for city council. And Jerry's like, I think that's him. And uh, sure as shit, we can curse on the podcast. Um, <laughs> you intended to run for council, and then a couple of days later, you found out that 
even though it was like by the the skin of uh it was it was by the chain link of a first down marker pretty much you got enough signatures to get on the ballot for city council uh, just enough because let me tell you you know I, I I'm doing this kind of independently uh <laughs> there's there's a sort of story behind you know why I'm doing this but the the, the gathering petitions and you're correct I just barely made it onto the ballot with the 19 others since there's 20 going for these various six at-large seats and you know trying to gather petitions when you're one man banding it is is more of a pain if you've never done it before than you might think i don't i don't have a team of people running around with t-shirts with my name and face on it or anything doing it for me i pretty much had to do all those and I even screwed up because I've never done any of this before. So there was like a couple of sheets where I wrote something in a space I wasn't supposed to, which invalidated. So I kind of had to start over uh, halfway through. So there was a part of me that's like, well, the deadline's in two days. It's It was raining that particular week. So going outside and standing outside libraries or going to people's house, that was out because I'll be in the middle of a thunderstorm or something while I'm doing that. So it's like, okay, turn in what I got, you know, and let's see if we make it. Sure enough, a couple days later when the board convened to certify who's actually on it, because there were 24 that actually submitted four for various reasons, didn't end up making it, but... There's still now 20 of us that will, which if you're doing your math and recall how these seats work, they're all jumbled on one giant line. So when you get to the primary on September 14th, and I believe early voting even starts like August 17th or something like that, it's going to, eight of us are getting eliminated. Could I be one of those eight? Yeah, probably. But, you know, everybody has their thoughts and opinions and complaints about anything and in politics and government these days. And, well, to quote Stewie talking to Brian once, well, this is my plan. Where's yours? Yeah. Uh, as I mentioned, um, uh, Kush is at 120 decibels. That is his his indoor That's voice. That's my indoor voice, absolutely. Yes. Um, so if you would ask most of the people that we work with here on the radio station and if they said, who in the hallway is running for city council. I don't know who they, maybe they would have guessed Denny. Um, Eric, those people on count, maybe he's, I don't know that they would have said you. And I, that's not a slight by any means. We just know that you love your sports and we don't know what, whatever the heck else you do. Well, but- I've, I, I've had the, the, the privilege in a way, you know, all these bunch of years of being able to babble sports on the radio. It's something I, you know, wanted to do when during my teenage years, I, turned out not to be a very good player at anything. When you're in your 5'4", barely 170, you know, uh, basketball's out, even though I somehow played football. Uh, yeah, I wasn't exactly the cream of the crop there. But I always had a little interest in this. My uncle once worked at, a, at an oldie station. This was like early, mid-90s, and I would sometimes be in the studio with him, and he would show me all the little buttons and the tests you had to do for the like the the uh, uh, the. the EAS and yeah, those types of things. So it stay legal. I don't know why I, I I I thought, hey, this could be something you know I could do. And then all these past bunch of years, whether it being co-hosts of various shows that have come along, come and gone in a way, um, you know, I got to talk the the local teams. I've always loved this market from that sports point of view. I'm originally from the Cleveland area, so obviously that's where my fandom goes. And but in this market, you never run out of things on a sports level because mm-hmm. you got. The pro stuff in Cleveland. You got the pro stuff in Detroit. You got Michigan. You got Ohio State. And since I went to Virginia Tech, uh, long story behind why that why that was the case, 
I could look at things like Michigan, Ohio State with a weird objectivity that not many in this area because you're going to fall on one side or the other. I'm the same way. I'm I'm not from here, so I like to make fo- make fun of both of, of the parties. But with all that and your love of sports and listening to you, that's why I did a double take when I read your name on the on the WTOL link. I never like you never skewed farther from sports. I never would have guessed that you'd have an inclination to run for city council. So I'm sure you've gotten asked this many more times than signatures you've actually received. Why? (laughs) Well, like so many of us, as I stated earlier, you know, we all have our opinions. We all do what we can in our own way to pay attention to things. I've tried those kind of things for a long time. Obviously, we know whether you're talking federal, state, even the local level, not much seems to change or help the citizens. There's there's all sorts of corruption all over the place. And to, for me, why I decided to do this, the genesis begins, for me anyway, that story from a little over a year ago where we had a quarter of the council on, you know, your stereotypical kind of corruption thing, right? right. And... At that point, I said to myself, okay, you know, I paid attention as best I can for long enough. I can only talk to my wife and friends and what have you, <laughs> you know, so much. Okay, this can't be that hard. Why don't I, I'm, you know what, I'm going to go down to the board and I'm going to get the little sheets to get signatures and okay, let's see if I can get on the ballot and do anything about that. And, you know, regardless if you're born and raised here or you've, you now live here. I mean, I have been in this area since 07, uh, been inside the city since uh, my family. We bought our first house in 15. So it's not like I've just moved here and, you know, one of those people. Because, you know, there's some levels where somebody just moves in so they can run for Now, that's not what I'm doing. And Carpetbaggers, I believe they're called. Yes, that was that. that is one of the terms dating back to the, the uh, Reconstruction period. There's a whole story behind that. Look that one up, kiddies. And... I figured, okay, I'll take a stab at this. Was it because of what happened last summer with the the councilman? And it was it was very small because it was it was like when people make fun of Toledo, it's like East Side jokes and nonsense like that. And I'm like, God, we couldn't even get nabbed for like a, a large amount of money. It's just like a couple oh, I know. of grand. The, the 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 numbers when you read that story. That's truly the minor leagues of yes. corruption. I mean, because remember, at the same time, you had the. Householder, I believe his name is, in the Ohio House, and that was like 60 yeah. million. Okay, that's the big leagues of corruption, but it's still corruption, sure. and it messes up everything. I've, For a long time, I've made an analogy that, you know, all the, pro- think of a tree, right? A big old tree in your yard. You have the You have all the branches and the leaves. Those can represent all the various issues we all have with government functions, and there are a plenty. Well, what's propping all that up? Two things. A trunk and a root system. The trunk is kind of, the way I analogize it, is kind of like the rigged two-party system. You can't get in unless you kowtow to one of the main twos, R's or D's, and that's how people, you know, filter into office. You know, third parties get terrible to this day. Uh, It's astonishing if any of them get to 5%, let alone say what Ross Perot did back in 92. Sure, it was a a miracle. Yeah, and I'm still convinced this day, had he not dropped out in the middle of that, he would have actually won a state or two here and there. But, so that, that kind of props it up as the gatekeeper, if you will. You know, it's very hard for just somebody, a random citizen... To try to do something and fight those establishments, they they will kneecap you. And then underneath it all, 
you have the root system. It's underground. You can't see it. And it infects, uh, even though that's when you think about a tree, that's not necessarily the right word, but it infects everything. It's, it's spread out somewhere. That is what I view as general corruption. It messes up everything as you keep going, you know, up the tree. Is it, is it corruption or is it just the way business needs to get done? Let, do you know about the, the, the Buckeye and the cable issue and the city and the FBI. Like, I honestly, I don't have a big problem with that um, because business has to get has to get done. And if I were Buckeye, I would have said the same thing. Um, now, when it comes to uh, Dale M., uh, however you pronounce his last name, and I believe his wife being an editor editor of the Blade, working for the Blocks, maybe there's some questions there. But I would want to look into his background and see if there's any shady things there. But if I were Buckeye, I'd go no. I'm not paying for this either. And my thinking all along was the other companies that had to move their stuff were these gargantuan global companies, the AT&Ts, Columbia's. And when they see a couple of million dollars on their bottom line, they don't think twice. They just, you know, they, they write the check as opposed to the Blocks and Buckeye. They're like, whoa, 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 whoa. That's a bigger sum of money for them. I have I, I, the stuff that happened last year. Corrupt, bad people, and, and again, it was sad. You're right. Minor league deals, like a couple of grand here, a couple of grand there from internet cafes. Um, but I, can you give me some other examples of where you see corruption? Because it's it's one thing to be like an insular system, um, and which you have to be a part of in many ways to be in government and actual corruption. No, and, and and that's fair. I mean, it can take you know many forms. That's why, in my analogy, I kind of equate that overall thing to like kind of the root system. It feeds it all, but it's underground. You know, you can't see it, you know, as well. There was a good article, was it last month or the month before, the the political writer whose name eludes me at the moment on the, in the city paper. And he kind of went back detailing that whole, the the whole Summit Street or whatever for the, for some of those repairs. And Johnny re- Hildo? I, I think so. That's a fake name. It's a, <laughs> right. it's a pseudonym. Right, of course, of course, of course. But either way, pseudonym or not, it was blank off the top of my head. And he had just had this little piece that was going back into some of those those deals and you know the, um, on some of the road fixing that was going on and you know just re if you reread that again you can kind of see where you know a certain entity with more power than the average citizen is kind of being like hey you know maybe, but that's, maybe, that's should, how things work like you will should be- they work that way though yes because and i think it's in it's in degrees and shades there's the there's the red territory where it's it's favors for favors, and and the citizen is losing out. In a lesser degree, it's just how business gets done. Um, I mean, the Solheim Cup had to happen here, and things needed to get done for it for the greater good of the area. Like, let's use your situation for for instance. Somehow, some way, you're going to have to be more than just yourself and your family, and you will then become beholden to some people. Now, some people might want things that are terribly unethical, and you're going to go, absolutely not. And I don't, I'm not saying that's you, mm-hmm. but other people will have helped get you to where you aspire to be, and then you have to stand for them, and they might have some. They might ask you to do things that you feel questionable about. No, and that can easily happen. You know, it, it's a, that's an issue by issue thing. You, you run across mm-hmm. maybe a certain issue, and you know, certain people may like it, certain people won't. You're never going to get a hundred percent, you know, on on any kind of issue uh, that's out there. But at the at the same time, most quote unquote corruption though is not as as you kind of were stating right now is not as 
obvious as, say, the councilman thing from a year ago. There are all sorts of deals uh, that go on, but it, it does it does seem that at too many levels of government, for way too long, those who can pay more, which is usually not your random citizen, unless random citizen happens to be really, really rich or something like that. Sure. You know, all they could do, you know, is vote. And, at, and that's why I'm also trying to run to just get a different citizen's voice out there that's not i could have easily gone to say the dems or the republicans maybe earlier this year way earlier in the year and tried to gain their support maybe it would have helped me with ballot petitions but then what would have i owed them the, on the backside of all that yeah because you will always owe someone something you know this you've been in this building and in this business a long sure. time as long as i Life is about relationships, and it's it's actually not. And you can buy relationships. With what you talked about with money. I mean, look, there's a reason uh, ProMedica has all the nasty nicknames. In yes, we hate the cost of our medical bills we get from them, but we love what has happened downtown. And without them moving downtown, like what's there now is probably a third of what it is if they're not there. So No, you're not wrong about that. And I was just actually back through that area maybe a week and a half ago driving to somewhere else and I happened to pass through. And, it, you know, it looks a lot nicer because of that than it did in, say, years past. Um, when I think of things like that, though, it's we have to be wary of what we as the citizens you know, are giving are, are giving up at the same time. I mean, for example, it doesn't have to be ProMedica. It could be Amazon. It could be whoever. You know, what, what do they always tell? Well, we'll come build your thing here, but you have to give us X, Y, and Z because Amazon we're got, creating jobs. Amazon got the... the, the um, they have the warehouse now over where the, the old Southwick location used to be. For, I think they bought it for a dollar. Yeah, see... You and I, if we tried to buy that plot of land, how many how many figures is that going to be? Probably six. But we can't create jobs like they can. But does that mean they should pay next to no taxes for the privilege of doing that? Some of that's problematic. Um, and, this, and I don't know what exactly their their tax figure through right. the city is, but it's going to be low. We know we know that it's going to be really low. And this is well, this is why I would never get involved in politics, even though I've thought I love living here. I have some influence, some clout. Most of the thing is, I would think is, I don't want to put people pulling skeletons out of my closet and digging in <laughs> where they could. Not that they would do that to anybody else. Um, but it's hard to tell these things because for one person, and I, by the way, I'm not arguing with anything. I, I love the pragmatic nature of it. I, ha, I have kind of a motto, and some people would call it, it, it it's very defeatist. We can I can apply this to sports. Um I might not agree, but I understand why certain things happen. And for one person, that's Amazon is an example. For for one person, that's a job where they can make more money than they've ever made before. And maybe they can progress because they're cut out for that kind of work. For another person, it's that could have been taxable land for something else. That is Amazon taking employees away from me. That's Amazon taking business away from me. Scary. So it it one thing is not necessarily good or bad. It's just how those those tentacles get out there. Yeah. Here's here's a here's a way I, I've been thinking about on an overall macro kind of basis. You know, people for so long now, and rightfully so in the vast majority of cases, don't like government things. Yet in this nation, we sometimes forget that we are 
supposed to be the government in this small D democratic, small R republic, right? I mean, I once, when I first cataloged, okay, who exactly are all my elected officials? You know, at every level and every branch. When I got done, I had a whole piece of paper front and back filled out with those answers. And most people don't even know much, you know, and this is no knock on them necessarily. The, the, the wives usually are hectic enough trying to get by for so many people. They barely have any time, you know, to figure these kind of things out or actually look up some of those things. And it gets bad raps and it's always, especially in the era we've been in, which has been more or less similar since 1980, since Reagan's election. And that is that, well, all government sucks. All government is bad. Well, no, it's supposed to be us as the citizens democratically voting for representatives in our republic. At, we have three branches, three levels. You know, it's like a cube almost in a way because of that. And who we elect in theory, at least I've always thought so anyway, are supposed to be the checks on those kind of things. Like a business acting really shady with its product or its customers. Well, you, the elected representatives of your citizenry, are supposed to be the check to make sure that, you know, doesn't happen. Um, regulations is a good example. You know, there are so many that, that hate those kind of things. And, you know, it could be red tape and legalese that if you try to read it, it'll make your head blow up. Yeah. And then that's part of the reason they write it that way, too. Sure. But at the same time, if you get rid of all of them, then I'll use an outlandish example. You're basically saying it's okay for Mr. Burns to put those toxic waste drums in the trees. Remember the ancient monorail episode? If you get mm -hmm. rid of regulations, that's what's going to happen. Yep. In some silly way, it's like those signs you sometimes people post on social media, and it's like, don't do this really stupid thing. Well, you know why there's a sign for it? Because somebody did it at some point. Multiple people yeah. did it. If it's one person, you can shrug it off. But multiple people doing that stupid thing is enough to have people put it. It's the same kind of thing in a way. And we're getting into a discussion here of like larger level government, which sure. I, don't, I don't mind because the good thing about local level government, especially here in Toledo, which is the smallest medium sized place I've ever been so deeply connected to. Mm -hmm. um, this is a medium sized metropolitan area. Um, Number 66 in the nation last I checked. Yeah, with TV market and, and whatnot, um, but it acts very small. And yes. that's, that's the good thing about like city, like in city council and being the mayor, like you can make a difference because yes. it's, it's less party driven because if you live on Fearing or Detroit, it doesn't matter if you're a Republican or a Democrat, you just want your fucking street fixed. And that's that's not politics. That's yeah. not partisanship or anything like that. The higher you go, you get into a lot of that nonsense. Um, I think true. you would agree with me that like if you could take money and lobbying out of politics, it would be a more it would be more of a meritocracy. It would be less of a, what I like to call I can flip the words back and forth a plutocratic oligarchy or an oligarchic plut plutocracy, which is basically what we are. Um, because of all the money influenced yeah. in politics. Now, fortunately, can I say it's not just to me? It's also not just the money. Everything you just said about about that aspect also totally one hundred percent correct. I'd also add that the way things are structured for that average citizen to try to get on ballots, to try to maybe make a difference in the in their own way, there there's so many things you know up against you if you're not 
willing to kowtow to one of the two major parties that could do that work for you. Like I said, I had to do all the signature gathering on my own. A lot harder, by the way, if you've never done it before, because I didn't kowtow to the D's or R's, which would have got me like a little team that would have done all that sure. for me. Sure. And I would like to, in addition to some of the money things you, you were mentioning, I, th- I feel the other aspect is to make it easier, especially at these local levels. And, you know, when you're talking, whether you're talking to independents or third parties, the, the, the big complaint is stop just running somebody for president, do something at local level. Well, okay, your complaint about that is actually, in a way, correct. And it needs to be a little bit easier. I, I would love a situation where either signature thresholds are a little lower. I mean, the fact that we have 20 of us running for this these city council at large seats. And of course, you know, again, Toledo does it a little differently than others where you have your districts and that's in a different year. And then these are just all the at large. And since they're on one giant line and it gets reduced from 20 in this case to 12. And then, you know, the sick top six would get, you know, elected. It, it makes it easier to try to do something if you're an average citizen and want to try to get involved for, for too many of us. And a lot of us, there's just not that time for so many people. They're just trying each day to get you know through each day to that next paycheck or what have you and try and do things with their own life that they don't have the time. I feel could I have would it would have been nicer if I had more, you know, sure. But I've also had the time all these years to try to look up things that most people just don't have the time for. Right. And so I, in my own way, like I said, want try to do something about that. I have no misgivings. I, I will be as shocked as anybody if I pull any of this off and I end up one of the top six come November and survive the primary and all that. I'll be as surprised as anybody. Have you ever, my dad used to tell me about a movie that he watched when he was a kid. It was called The Mouse That Roared. Are you familiar with it? I, ha- not, I have not seen it. I ha- The title does sound familiar, though. So the way he told me it went was um, there was this tiny country, something... Uh, Something like like Borat's country. Yes, a modern, okay. <laughs> uh, an older version of, of Kazakhstan. Uh, we make greatness for country of glory or whatever the hell his, his quotes were. <laughs> so this country was like just totally problematic, broke, they had nothing. So they said they're going to start a war. And this was after World War One and World War Two. We're going to start a war with the U.S. knowing that when the U.S. destroys them, they will pay to rebuild the, the country which is what we did for Germany and, and, and after both world wars, they won. They defeated the U.S. in, in, in war, and you could be the mouse that roars for city council. Uh, that would be an, an interesting way. And, that, and honestly, that's part of what I want to do. In, in addition to the, ver- the ideas that I have, you know, that I could try to do at, at a local level, part of what I want to do if I were to actually pull this off and become one of the six at-large members is, you know, make some noise about these various things in a place where somebody can actually, you know, make some of that noise. So I I don't love using the corruption word because it's so shadowy. We just don't. And and the average person might call the ProMedica stuff corruption. Well, stop going to those concerts then. I mean, it, it's complicated. So I'll say just being a decent ethical human, which is, seems... Which seems very far lacking in our elected officials <laughs> at all levels. And it's been going on like that for decades. That's a good way to put it. And I think decent human beings do get in, but then they get pulled into the machine and then they've got to do things for people. So besides 
being a decent human on city council, what are some of the other things that would be important to you? You talked about doing some things. Well, uh, one of the things I, you know, I, I like to do, and I was actually, you know, tweeting about this recently because it, it, I know it came up last week there. I believe Cardi's doing it in the, in the mayor's race. I saw one of the other candidates. I believe it was Michelle Grimm. They were posting gun, you know, violence, oh, the stuff. gun violence stuff. And what I basically said was, you know, each of these people right now has some decent points in it. And for me, though, if I'm if I'm on the council for an issue like that and those things come up, my stance is going to be, okay. I see where you're coming from. Obviously, we're an urban area, no matter how medium sized we may be. And urban areas do have that type of issue forever. And that's just never going to go away, unfortunately. It, because it's just what happens when more and more people congregate. My thought on something like that is, okay, if one of their ideas or proposals or some version of, of theirs, and there's others that are making them, of course, too, comes to the floor, I'm going to vote no on it unless it includes an actual citizen review board that has teeth. And I think we've had that at least somewhat, although I haven't heard much of it. Exactly. For the police, um, going back to last year... After all the George Floyd stuff. Mm-hmm. So you want the Citizen Review Board to... Like actually want- have teeth. Not just sit there and, um, you know, take in the various complaints or what, or however, you know, that would work. And then, okay, we, we write down our little findings and nobody ever does anything about it. It actually, you know, has to have uh, uh, teeth in it to actually make any kind of, of difference. And, and, and it would have to be, you know, uh, just random citizen. You can almost pick them like jury duty if you really wanted to. Or we can use the sports analogy. You can have a bowl championship council or a Toledo championship city council. Okay, yeah, and, and that's get, a good way and, of thinking of it. Like before the, uh, I think it was before the BCS. I'm thinking it was right before all the nasty Paterno stuff. I had this idea like we should have a Jedi Council of college football or or beyond that to pick things. Um, people who are who are you cannot encroach on their opinions or intellect or their willingness to study to make good decisions. Mm-hmm. Do the same thing for that. That doesn't sound too terrible to me. <laughs> the, the problem is how politics got so screwed up over the centuries everywhere is we were electing those people as when we began this democratic republic. The people were going to pick these. Citizens who were supposed to be of great intellect and opinion. If you really want to go to the genesis, then, of what you're saying, because I I, I sense where you're going with that, and you're not wrong. The genesis of that is uh, the old story. Washington, in his first term, basically said, look, one of the things we got to avoid is factions. That was the 1790s word for parties. He had no party. He had no party. The problem was the Congress of the time immediately branched off into agreeing with what Washington was doing or disagreeing with what Washington was doing. Asterisk. It wasn't necessarily Washington. It was more Alexander Hamilton in that administration. And those two factions became the Federalists and the Democratic Republicans, the first two political parties. And they were both official by the start of Washington's second term, even though he was independent. And it's promulgated, you know, from there. And so... It never, it never even really from the beginning was this enlightened citizens getting, you know, elected to your various federal, state, local offices to do things. It immediately became factionalized. I wasn't going that route, but you're, you're, you're right. 
but the, the basic point of I'm picking this person to represent me and my views, but then other things got involved once they were elected for whatever reason. But I and it's and, evolved, I think, in a certain way after a couple hundred years, where most people, for better or worse, they bear they don't even realize the name, probably never looked up anything. All they see is okay. What's that little letter next to their name? Sure, and they base their whole decision, you know, based on it's part of the reason. If you're not one of the two parties, one can't break through. There's, just, it, it, it's almost become hardwired in a lot of us after a couple hundred years of it being that. Way. Oh, sure, the party names and their, you know, places on the so-called political spectrum may have changed, but it's always been two. I would love for people to pass some kind of modest civics test or. Do you know zip codes outside of your own to to vote at a local level? But that goes against the spirit of what we first created here. Where, well, back then not everybody got to vote, but that's what they wanted you to believe, right? So um, I'm all for citizen review boards. Get a really smart bunch of people, a board of directors. Um, what's it to, to approve big ideas or make sure that people are acting on these things that that, that get discussed or that the public wants? Hold on one second. I got to uh, do one of our uh, traffic reports. Knock yourself out. So we got uh, decent ethical humans, um, accountability. What's another idea that you would like to implement or push forward? Another idea that I have, and it, this I know this came up, uh, current Mayor Kapskevich said something about this maybe a month ago. I would like to see the elimination of all the cameras, the red light, the speeding cameras. You know, it back Whenever they were put in, it was, okay, you know, it's efficiency, you know, a little more efficiency, a little more safety. But at at the same time, we have to remember, especially, you know, since 9-11 from 20 years ago, now everything is monitored in a way that it wasn't when I was a kid. They didn't have the technology in the 80s for, for any of that kind of stuff. And... I, I can't recall if some of this has been changed over the years. or They're inactive right now. You know that, right? Yes. Yes. And, and I'd like to keep them that way then. Um, because you know, on some level, it, it, it is, yes, there's the safety aspect, but it can also be used for those evil nefarious ways. And in other places, in other areas, it's you. It, it does do that. Not necessarily, I'm not saying here, but in use bigger metropolitan areas, they, they do use those for more than just stopping the guy who is going 10 miles over the speed limit or something like that. And, you know, when they were, like anything, we had to private contract that out. Mm -hmm. So in a twisted yet technically correct way of saying is, when you got a ticket from one of those, before, not necessarily not, because as you said, they're, they're inactive and that's true. When you pay that fine, technically a part of that has to go to pay to the, company yeah. that the city bought the cameras from i analogize it like this would you pay a ticket if it came from walmart no of course you wouldn't and so i would like to see i'm glad that they are deactivated i would like to see them gone completely what and i haven't seen this now i've never had a problem with these things because when i was growing up uh, in and this isn't a personal thing i've only been pulled over once in 10 years this, because of that this so it's a, not like i'm getting vendetta for that one time i did get a no, ticket this is a big deal to people um every time this thing comes up it always gets lots of facebook engagement social engagement and people hate them um i 
So when I was growing up in Philadelphia, mm-hmm. one of the most deadly intersections in the country uh, was like a couple miles from where I lived. So even before I could drive, they had a camera there because there were just too many, too many dead people, too many collisions. Yeah, you know, did they need to change the speed limit, so on and so forth. So I've been used to things like that for safety reasons. And the only thing I've asked for for like six or seven years now, publicly on, on the radio. Let's see the safety data. And most of the safety data that I have read, not just here, but in most places, it's not overwhelming to the point where it says we need these things to keep people safe. If it were overwhelming, I would be totally on the side of leaving them. And I could take them or leave them. Um, I think we would people would like to see more transparent data that they're not being used as a source of revenue. But I've also, again... I don't like it, but I understand it. If that means that it can keep taxes down because they're ticketing people like that, so be it. Because if you take that revenue off, and I know they did some revenue readouts a couple of years ago Mm -hmm. and pointed out how much it was or it wasn't. um, I like to say, we live here. We have to pay for it. These are not the city budgets of when our great-grandparents were um, matriculating through these cities and Mm -hmm. money was plentiful. We live here. we got to pay for it in some way. So if they take those away... Somewhere, some else, some millions are going to have to come up. Even though, again, they're inactive right now, and right. You, and you can very easily avoid the ticket. You, it, it's it's in some ways an intelligence test. And that's a good point you bring up about you know wanting to see you know some of the data um, from when these were active, and th- and that kind of feels like my my citizen review board I- idea because it's not that I'm opposed. Um, so you know, hardcore opposed, like some are to increasing police budgets or increasing number of officers, but it's like okay, here's here's the 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 minimum that that needs to to happen in conjunction with something like that, similar to these cameras. We need to see the actual data, just because you you pointed out an intersection in Philadelphia. I'm fairly certain there is no intersection in Toledo. That has the issue that the intersection right. you're referring to does. We have a couple of really dangerous ones. Oh, sure. I'm not saying there are none. Once a year, a couple times a year, I, I read the articles and then it's airport and burn right down the street. And it's the familiar ones. Um, Tremainsville and Lasky and that intersection. Mm-hmm. And you're right. I don't think they're deadly, but I don't mean to be hyperbolic by any means. But let, like, let's say you shut all these cameras down and then all of a sudden... You've got a shooting or you've got a little girl who was run over because somebody ran a yellow to red light. And then all of a sudden, there's no evidence to find who did this to, to be accountable for whatever happened because we don't have these things. Like, I'm okay with cameras everywhere because it does help us catch bad people. And there there is something, you know, uh, to that argument. One of the counters, I would say, is... Well, the same situation happened in 1983. There wouldn't have been any cameras and, around for something like that either. And we've survived the, this long without all that, you know, extra monitoring. And again, but somebody, there is the safety argument, and you're not wrong necessarily about that. But especially in the last 20 years, I mean, what was the old edge? Well, if you never didn't do anything wrong, you have nothing to fear. Yeah, well, Benjamin Franklin said you can have your liberty or your security. You can't have both. It, it, it's fine lines we're still trying to figure out. And because government and government officials for so long at all levels have 
seemingly on too many times ignored citizens' needs in favor of whatever it may be, those things get pushed, you know, to the wayside. And we need to make sure that we can have things that allow for safety to be a little better than it would have been in 1982, for example. When people can get away with things. More or less, but you, you can't, you know, we, we got to make sure somehow that there's accountability and too often there's just no accountability or accountability that's for show that can't actually do anything about it. So last question, unless you want to talk about other things about your campaign and then we can do some, some, some other fun, some real fun stuff. Well, here's one I'd like to actually bring wait, up because wait. it's something I would like to propose too, if elected that actually can be done at a local level. And over the course of me gathering signatures to get on the ballot, I actually found out that once upon a time, uh, Toledo had it. It came up recently, uh, but it got screwed up because, well, New York City. Um, ranked choice voting. Love it. Toledo actually used to have this for the local offices in the 50s, I mean, before, and then they end up getting rid of it. There's no reason why we can't, for city offices, so your district city council, mayor, judgeships, not necessarily this at large because of the way it's lined up on the ballot, it kind of ranked choice votes itself. Right. There's no reason we can't do that right here on our own I, without having to wait for the state of Ohio and or the federal government for you know to propose such a thing. That's I, another example of something that I absolutely would bring to the floor because voting needs to be simplified, even though that some would complicate it. It only it only complicates the counting process, though. I mean, really, it's okay. You know, give me your top four. This will be my first. This will be my second. That's there shouldn't be that complicated. The complications are when they have to count it later at the end. Well, you're asking people to find out more about more people rather than just honing in on somebody. But let me let me. You've continually gone to the federal level of things, which I got no problem with, but you're running locally. Yes. I fucking loathe the Electoral College. It is a giant, colossal, steaming piece of shit. But I would be okay keeping it if ranked choice voting happened at most levels. Can you explain what it is for people that don't know what it is? Basically, what ranked choice voting is, is so you have a city council line. Right, and we'll we'll use the district example because those would usually be two-person races as opposed to the at-larges. And say there were four people that wanted to get in, I don't know, District 1. Well, what you would do on Election Day, instead of just voting for one guy, you would say, okay, this is my top choice. Okay, if he can't win, this will be my second choice, and so on. If It's like MVP voting. Basically. And yes, exactly. There, you know, any, any MVP race in a sport, you know, there's first place, second place, the same thing. That's all you, the voter, have to do. You're just checking off a few more boxes. I, I love it because this way, it's not, um, it's not zero sum per se. Because with if, too many people are worried that oh, I can't vote for this guy because he's not a D or an R, and if I vote for him, oh, I'm just going to give the bad guy that I hate. Well, if you can rank choice, you can vote that person you right. really like first. Then you're back up and so on. And then it's the counting part where the quote-unquote complications would come in because if nobody gets 50% or 50% plus one first time, last place is eliminated, their votes get allocated until somebody that, gets it. That part confuses me a little bit, but I would just do whoever got the most stinking votes. Can you do it that way? Well, that is what we have right now. That's the first past the post that we have right now, and this is where people... 
whether you're on the R side or the D side, love to complain about third parties. It's like, well, because you voted for that third party, this guy that's a real jerk won the seat and he only got 33% or whatever small, not 50% number, and they hold you accountable as if you voted for the bad guy. Would No, my vote went to this person. And it, it, it'll nullify, it won't fully nullify, but it'll mitigate, you know, that effect. It would allow more to come in and try to run for various offices. As for the Electoral College thing, since you, since you brought it up, I for me, the first thing that has to happen is it needs to just be, you know, a straight-up proportional system. You know, take Ohio. Um, you know, last time, last year, Trump won it. Like, what, 53, 40, whatever, you, you know, mm-hmm. whatever the percentages was. So well, get- the ways it, most states except for Maine and Nebraska do yeah. it. And you don't want to do it congressional district. That's what they do, because then you get states that one party or the other. So I get 50, ri- so I get fifty three percent of Ohio's electoral votes. Exactly. I do. I do that in a second. So if if to me, if you're going to keep the electoral college, it's just got to be proportional. If you get fifty three percent votes, you get fifty three percent of that state's votes. You don't even need people. You just make it a point system. Yep. That's I like what it. I would want to do if we're even going to keep it at all. Because. Um, People do vote for third parties and get a lot of darts and arrows thrown at them because you gave someone else the race. Because I, I compare it to my vote in November, or whenever I sent my mail, my my mail-in ballot mm-hmm. in didn't count. Yeah, my vote was not counted. It was completely discarded. What do you What do you mean? You you voted. You participated in in a, in a democratic process. Yes. But when they tallied the votes, mine didn't count because it was winner take all. I voted for um, for Biden, but he because he didn't win this state, and Trump got all the electoral votes from this. Mm-hmm. I like what you said. I'm all about getting. Yeah, we have four. Yeah, we have 48 that do it. Winner take all. You win a state by one vote. All the votes go there. And I would rather do the electoral college vote by proportion as opposed yep. to what Maine and Nebraska do, which is by congressional district. They get. Two for your, because you know, you know, your electoral vote number is simply, well, how many House of Representative members do you have plus your two senators? That's what your electoral vote number is. So you would get, so Nebraska and Maine, you get, you get two for just winning the state. And then it goes by each congressional district. Did you win the first, whoever won the first district gets that one vote and so on. The problem with that is when you get a state that one major party or the other is gerrymandered to high hell, well, then you're going to have a situation where, say those percentages last year would have been flipped. And it would have, just for sake of argument, it would have been 53 Biden, 47 Trump mm-hmm. in Ohio. But the congressional districts all went the way they they are aligned in their house. Well, then Trump would have still gotten 12 and Biden would have only gotten six. Right. <laughs> but with the way they can, with, with the way politicians can move around districts, and I, I, I think... Didn't Jim Jordan have a weird dish? Like, it's all over the state and it's big. Like you, well, can- Captors is weird too, as the the other side effect, you know, of that. It just skims across the lake. There's a part near near the bay where it's not even connected by land anymore. You can all the gerrymandering and moving of these districts. You're you're stacking the deck. You're moving the goalposts. You're changing the rules, and that's that's the the corruption that I have. And an that's issue with. that's exactly that's an example. There's just. There's so much of it, and I know it might be a buzzword to some, but it's 
so pervasive, sometimes in giant obvious ways, and sometimes in those not-so-subtle ways. But at the end of the day, all the forms of it mean that compromises end up being made, and those compromises nearly always favor whoever can pay the politician the money, and that 99.9% of the time is not going to be able to be me or you. But me or you might align with the person that's paying that money. It's possible. It all depends on which issue it is, I suppose. Get rid of uh, ranked choice voting on a on a lower level, local level. Mm-hmm. Um, keeping those cameras off, or at least not ticketing. Uh, being a decent human being, and what was the other? Oh, uh, you some kind of citizen review review board um, to make people who are supposed to be doing things completely accountable. So, last question, politically speaking. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned you said something, and we moved on real fast. But just talking about when we hear the word politicians, we think ickiness. Yep. At some point in all these people's lives, most of these people's lives, regardless of the level of office, I'm sure they aspire to do good ethical things for their community and for people. But somehow they got pulled into the sludge. Um, how do you keep from being that person that, in many ways, you're lambasting right now? No, that's an absolutely fair question. And the best way I can uh, demonstrate it is to say it like this. It, it will sound a tiny bit selfish, but it, 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 hopefully it'll make sense. So just in passing, I ended up looking up how much, you know, councilmen in the city of Toledo are paid for being councilmen. 26 grand. And you know what? I don't mind saying out loud. That would be... For me, a $2,500 increase in what myself and my wife made put together in the last normal year we had in 2019. In other words, I would actually be having more personal take-home pay from being a city councilman than I do here. Might mean that you... And therefore, I would have a little more in my own pocket that I... Don't feel I need somebody to try to give me money for a vote. I've already, on a selfish level, had that increased in my own personal life, even if it's just twenty five hundred. You you'll work a lot more hours though, um, and somebody could prey on that. Maybe hope I think you'd know because you're a bright guy, but you might not know. Hey Jim, let me give you five grand to you know get your signs up. And you know what? If if you're only spending like forty five hundred on the signs, totally fine. Take the wife and family out for dinner. Yeah, it doesn't need to happen. But I it, I, but, I would not let that happen. But you know what? I don't need to have it happen for me. For me on a personal level. I get it. And I and I'm just making the point that No, I, I get it. I get it. Not sure, you, sure. But so, Because you're right. So everybody there's been so many people, right, left, middle, whatever, that eventually if they pull this off, they fall into to a trap like that. You get pulled into the beast. Yeah, and you do. And that's one thing that I, that's the most personal thing I would have to have discipline on in myself sure. in doing it. And I would just have to, and that's why I worded it like that and, and thought about it like that once I discovered how much, you know, they were getting paid. Because I'm like, well, if that's an increase for me on a strictly personal level, and it is, by my calculations, about $2,500 per year, more than me and my wife put together, May, uh, back in 19, because it's hard to go by 20 and even 21 with still things lingering on that. And 
Okay, well, on a personal level, I have a, I'd have a little bit more than I did before, so I don't need some guy coming down saying, hey, you know, vote for me this way, and we'll, we'll take care of X, Y, or Z for you. Right. No, get out of my office, and I'm going to expose you now. So what's, what's the worst that can happen? I get... I don't win re-election in four years. Or the election. Or the, well, <laughs> this would be in, in, in case I actually made it there. Obviously, if I don't get past this primary or the general, this is a moot point because I wouldn't be there to have those things happen. I am envisioning some fantasy where uh, BCS or college football playoff chaos happens in the second to last week. <laughs> <laughs> and come November... Jim Cushlin is the new mayor of Toledo. <laughs> well, that would be uh, interesting in and of itself. Uh, I know we got three on for, for mayor and uh, then the 20 for, for council. No, in technically that couldn't happen, but I, I guess, I don't know. Stranger things have all happened in this world of ours, haven't they? It's a weird world that we're living in. Um, I've been dying to say this to lots of people, but my friends have kind of scattered, but ever since like the after the third week of April or so, the Tigers have been really good. Well, it's nice to see them finally have some of these prospects that they've been yeah. acquiring, you know, make some make some dividends. And there's still obviously, you know, improvements that need to be made on the pitching side, on some of the position player prospects like uh, uh, Willie Castro, for example. You know, he projected starting, starting shortstop for the Tigers this year. He got that shot. He got sent down. I think he's back up right now. You know, they're, they're still hit and miss. In baseball, they're always called prospects for a reason. They may not pan out, um, but they're getting enough done to make the improvements. Um, now you got to keep improving on some, see some of these other kids because it, it, there's more still down there as of this moment. And it's, it's also about, you know, Position Like, they can't do anything about designated hitter until Miguel Cabrera's contract is finally up, And for example. And I, I, I was looking that up yesterday, and it finally, you can see, and I'm not a Tigers fan, but I just follow the stuff closely. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can scoff at whenever he signed that deal five, six years or so ago, and you think, oh, we're not going to worry about the last couple of years. Well, those last two years have up. Uh, top 10 MV, MVP finishes on there for them to get activated for two $32 million seasons. Yep. So there's two more seasons of the Tigers paying Cabrera because I guarantee he's not going to activate those options. But I also look to see that Spencer Torkelson is actually hitting better now at a higher level than when he was at a lower level. And it's very possible it's not likely the Tigers will start him there, but he could easily be on the opening day roster next year if he continues to hit like this and has a pretty show-out spring training. Look, and I, I hope to see something like that for, for their sake. I'm pretty sure they're not going to bring a guy like Torkelson up for the remainder of this year because and because this is a thing in baseball, especially when you're not the Yankees, the Red Sox, or the Dodgers. Service time. That's why you won't see Torkelson, for example, until at the earliest, the start of next season, because they won't want to start that clock yet. And it sounds kind of shady when you say it, but from a front office point of view, when that front office is not the New York Yankees, you need to be mindful of that so you have as much control on those very cheap deals when they're team control and at arbitration level before they can ask for their $20 million a year you know, in free agency. But that's an example also 
of the other crop of some of the young youngsters that they picked up over these last couple years, the Tigers, that we haven't seen yet. You got to eventually get those guys up. But again, I wouldn't expect him to get a September call up no matter what he's doing because they won't want to start that clock yet. But he's exactly a piece that we have to eventually see to see, okay, can you hold down that position? Can you be our guy here? Because that's a lot of what, when you're in a situation like the Tigers are in, that's a lot of what this is about. We've heard all the stories about, you know, the Casey Mises, for example. And he's honestly, to be fair, he's done just okay. You're going to keep riding. Right. So, I mean, you're going to keep riding this. I'm not saying, no, they need to give up on Casey Mize and send him down to Toledo for next year. No, not at all. But you have to bring these guys up, give them their innings, give them their ABs to see what you really got. Can Torkelson be my everyday third or first baseman? That's still undetermined. You have to bring him up to the major league level, which is always vastly different than handling those pitchers down in AAA. The core at the moment, if you want to be really optimistic, looks nice. I I think... Uh, Chris Illich said yesterday that they might go a little big game hunting in the offseason, and there's a lot of potential free agents that they could bring in, especially with how low the payroll is. Uh, to go back to the service time stuff, and this is probably mm-hmm. way over everybody's head, but that's the quintessential uh, instance that fits into my model. Like, I might not like it, but I understand it. And in the, in most cases, I like it. Like, I know people uh, were giving the Cubs a hard time because Chris Bryant had his service time jerked around. And people were like... That's exactly why they did that. So, so much for having him for that extra year. Well, yeah. I mean, as a fan, you want to see somebody who's really good up as soon as possible. But just know that you p- could potentially lose that player on the backside when the team is really good. So and regardless hope- of our fan opinions, I guarantee you that's how front offices... You know, think about it because it's important to remember in baseball relative to, say, football or the NBA, where you come straight out of college, get drafted, and you get your rookie contract. There's no such thing as the minor leagues. Baseball's free agency is based on originally what happened in, gosh, what was it? 70 1975 when they eliminated the ancient reserve clause. Back in the back in the day in baseball, there was this thing called the reserve clause. And what it meant was an owner could just keep signing one-year contracts and forcing that on that player. That's why your greatest stars always played with the same team for their entire career. They literally, legally could not do anything about that. So the compromise when those got shot down in arbitration cases in the 1970s was, okay, we are Institute of Free Agency, but you have to have been a major leaguer, and this is calculated by service time, for six years. Then you're allowed to be a free agent. The first three years are team control. That's how in 2017, Francisco Lindor was only being paid 575000 or whatever that number was. It was stupid low. And then arbitration kicks it a little higher because it's arbitration. As the name implies, if there's no settlement, it goes between a, to like an arbitration panel and they decide, is the player right or is the the team right and then they come up with a number and that becomes the guy's contract but it adds up to six total years at the end of the sixth year of service time then you're a free agent and you can do whatever you want to use Torkelson as an example yes and I I wish smarter people did do this rather than advocating for guys to get paid or the evil owners to stop pinching pennies do you want Spencer Torkelson to start the season so the Tigers can go 79 and 85 or do you want Spencer Torkelson when he's an all-star and he's helping them win 97 games 
Um, and he still has a year away from free agency. In a way, both of those questions are semi-irrelevant because we don't know well, it, if he's going to actually be able to stick. Maybe he's a bust. Well, that, we, those happen more often, especially in baseball, you know, than one might think. I mean, I remember the Indians supposedly from the C.C. Sabathia trade way back in 07. Matt Laporta is exactly the example I'm going with. He was supposed to be a power-hitting stud first baseman. He was an absolute disaster, and then you're right back at square one. It's not about the win totals to bring up Spencer Torkelson. It's about... For a guy like him, and again, they they will well, they won't for this argument. Okay, assume the trajectory will be will met. be correct. Yeah, because look, then the, you then in my opinion, wins are still irrelevant. You got to bring him up so he could solidify that position and be that everyday guy. But again, assuming he is, are you willing to risk losing him when you're winning games in the nineties, just so you can have him for a seventy-something win team? I get the, what you're trying to that's say. The risk. This is where the six years come in, or in smaller market teams, it really plays out as five because you always try to trade a guy, a la Lindor, this past offseason with the Indians. You try to trade him when he's got at least a little bit of control left. I mean, when we when the Indians sent him to the Mets, he had this season, and then he would have been a free agent. So they got one year of him. So it might play out to five, but. Same type of thing. Yes, you might have the ones because you still have to improve. You're not going to go from where the Tigers were these last couple years and immediately next year they're going to win 100 ball games in the division. That's usually not how it works in baseball. There is a progression. But in theory, if the if not just Torkelson, but other prospects they've been gathering hit and you have a core that could do something, then in two, maybe three years, so you're only halfway through a Torkelson team control block, now you're in true contention. And the baseball playoffs, of course, win total is almost irrelevant because just, just making it. Because they're the most crapshoot of any of the four mm-hmm. major sports because it's the season so long. But if it's one singular game, the craziest things ha- you know happen. There isn't a season go by that when I watch a game, or watch bunches of games, there's not a season goes by that something over the course of one of those games happened that I've literally never seen before. Mm-hmm. And that could happen in a singular, you know, playoff game. And that's why they're the biggest crap. It's just about, you know, getting into that contention and getting there. Yeah, his first season in the majors while he's solidifying that position, Torkelson in this example case, yeah, they might be 79 and 83. But... If the projections for everybody else kick in and there are more hits than misses, then before you know it, you're going to be on that 90-win contention threshold with him still having three or four years left of that control before you got to worry about the free agency. But I want to know that he's not going to go into a lame duck walk year um, one year earlier than than I need to think about that. Like and this is why this is why you can just start. This is him. the tricky calculation that the Clevelands and the Detroits have to make that the Boston's and New York Yankee types just simply don't. But they because they could just pay out the wazoo for whatever and have done that for decades. But they they don't they they don't have a lot of these guys. They will still trade and they will trade for other teams' players and they will sign those players. They don't have to worry about this because they don't run like that. And they often many times they don't have as many of these prospects as other organizations do. That's but, 
exactly why they don't, because they trade them away for the bigger names right. that they can afford to pay. You know, they screw up a big contract on a big name free agency. They can get out of that and not have them plague them for multiple years. Yep. That's not the case for a Detroit or a Cleveland. And, and, and traditionally, it's not the case for Detroit. There was that Mike Illich block of time where the Tigers joined that crew because he so wanted to try to make it happen and it just didn't work out in the end. Before he died. But mostly the Tigers are in the same boat as the Indians or the Royals or the Reds or teams like that are. They have to be studious about these things because one horrible contract will screw them over for a three-year block of time. You could see it happening, and this is why... um while Alavila is getting some praise for these players finally living up to some of their draft positions, um, the Cabrera <laughs> thing was 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 ownership stuff. But I heard Jordan Zimmerman's name mentioned the other day. I think that was one of his signings. So some of his early signings were not very good and compounded the problem of having a legendary right-handed hitter who didn't look to be aging real well right. and was going to get hurt a lot. And I think I was looking last night. In his last really good year where he played a lot of games, it was like 2016. Yes, it's been a while. It truly has. I mean, he's actually aging, FYI, in this era that goes back 20 years where people think of all the PEDs and stuff. Miguel Cabrera, folks, is aging like a baseball player is supposed to age, by the way. They're not suddenly supposed to hit 70 home runs at age 40, okay? They're just not. That's the only comfort in a twisted way I could say. It's why you you know he's completely clean, because he's aging and performing like an older player should. The only hope that I had for Tiger fans when he was going to sign that deal. And it was inevitable. They weren't going oh, to yeah. let him leave. Although the prudent business decision was let him leave. They thought there was still enough of a window and they still had enough mm. of, of the guys. But as 15 and 16 evolved, it's like, okay, we're not really there. Now we got to start tearing it down. And that's why 17, 18, and 19 especially, they were just so god-awful because they had to strip everything they possibly could except for the two bad contracts that absolutely no one wants, Jordan Zimmerman and Miguel Cabrera. And by the way, with those coming off the books in their own way as we're going forward, that's why you're hearing talk of maybe now we... Because they haven't had that ability to right. in these last couple of years. They've been handcuffed. The, the, the guys they sign as veteran free agents are your Jonathan Scope types on small deals that are really just filler. And if they play well enough, let's see if we can flip them for an extra prospect at the deadline. And maybe that's why they'll be in the discussion for Carlos Correa to get back with his old manager. Or exactly. Some of these this would not have been the case two years ago. Now you're starting to borderline, if you're the Tigers... On the time of, okay, now we need to start going in on a couple guys because our prospects are finally here. They're trying to do the work to see if they're for real or if they're going to be busts. Now you supplement with more than just a veteran cheap filler guy because now we want to cross those thresholds and get into some kind of contention. And the way the Central is evolving... There's one and a half teams at the moment to worry about. The White, White Sox. Sox and... Honestly, because they're still an overall, when healthy, a pitching machine, Cleveland. But there's, they're falling off because they can't do anything offense, and we're seeing this year when your main pitchers, your Biebers of the world get hurt, they're just a crappy team. They've you don't have to worry about the Royals, and I've been waiting for the last three years for what we're seeing out of the Minnesota Twins to happen, and it finally is. Their pitching was always suspect, and now that they're not mashing it the way they were in 19 and 20, now they're one of the worst teams in the league, and they just traded away um, Nelson Cruz, who was one of those anchors of those couple teams. 
they're going to have to recycle themselves as well. So if you're the Tigers, because you think of it in division prisms, it's the White Sox, and if their pitchers stay healthy, maybe the Indians ahead of you. That's it. Mm-hmm. And it hasn't happened this year for the Indians. No. No, I mean, well, they got all three of their main pitchers hurt. And mm-hmm. though they've been masters in the last decade of producing starting pitching quality talent, because all three of the main guys I'm referring to, Bieber, Plezak, Savali, all these guys were drafted in 16 when they were going to the World Series that year. That's when those guys were drafted, and you trade away the Klubers and the Bowers of the world, and these guys just fill in, and it's all seamless. Well, the next crop below them wasn't ready yet. Mm-hmm. You know, J.C. Mejia, he's going tonight, for example. He's still got a 750 yard. Dude just wasn't ready, but you had no choice because they were hurt. And then the offense has just been a black hole for a couple years now that when you lose those big starters at the front, you just can't compete. And that's why they're the, at the 500 mark as we speak. Their last outfielder of note, Kenny Lofton. Or so it seems. I mean... <laughs> Every year it's the same thing, copy and paste. The Indians need outfielders. Yeah, no, they, they do. They And they're fumbling through some things um, on that. And because yeah, yeah, they haven't had a. I mean, their outfield has been statistically the worst in baseball. It's like the third year in a row now. It wasn't all that you know great you know before that, but they still have a couple core guys you know on that team. That's what like Jose Ramirez, for example. Fran Mill Reyes is a guy that they have under control. That's mm-hmm. why in the in the Clevenger trade, he was the guy brought over. The gag is. Actually, no, sorry, that was the Puig trade. Um, and that's why you combine a couple of those core guys with, if they're healthy, the pitchers they have, and that's what kept kept keeps them in games. They just don't have that this year because those guys are hurt. Yeah, I do have my eye um, on Nolan Jones because he is from where I grew up, mm-hmm. went to a high school not far away, and he seems to be thumping in the minor leagues, and maybe he'll live up to his draft position and, and, and what he's done. And exactly, that, that's why you're at that weird point, start bringing some of them up. I mean, Cesar Hernandez was one of the deadline trades they made. Okay veteran guy, led the shortened season last year in the American League of Doubles, but... He, he, was, he, he, at the end of the day, is more stopgap guy because you want to eventually bring up some of the Nolan Jones types, you know, for those. But that's the other thing about the Indians at the moment. Because we're in a weird gap where the, the depth pitching they have is not ready yet, as evidenced by their performances, now the prospects they have that are ready are on the position player side. Um, not just Nolan Jones. Um, you got a guy like uh, they want to see Owen Miller, and he's a middle infielder. That's why Bobby Bradley is finally up and playing everyday first base. You knew the guy was going to hit 220 and strike out a bunch. The gag is, can he hit you 20 to 30 home runs? Uh, the answer so far seems to lean, yes, he can He's on their that. Dominic Smith. Exactly. Um, but now it's those crop of guys, you know, that are that are coming up now, and Again, it's it's all hit and miss and feel in a way with baseball prospects in a way that it simply is not when you're talking about an NBA or an NFL rookie. It's just it's a different animal. It's why my uncle used to tell me way back when we were sitting at games at the old Cleveland Stadium, Jim, they're called prospects for a reason. Mm-hmm. They are in other leagues as well, but there's many more phases and layers to go through from minor league baseball or amateur baseball to get to the major leagues than the other stuff. Yeah. Um, did you have fun? Was this fun? Oh, yeah. 
Enjoyed it. Well, good luck. Like, what's the next step to to push for counsel? Well, the next step is I'm I'm literally at this moment just waiting on uh, some of the signs to get finished from the the the, the little print shop uh, for that, so I can start putting them out in my yard and some street corners and you know others that want them. Uh, some are saying, "Well, Jim, you're you probably waited a little you know a little too long." Okay, well, first time candidate, I'm learning things if I ever choose to do something like this again, and. I was truly so razor close that I didn't want to have that money wasted if I right. had actually not been able to get it out, which I, of course, did by the skin of my teeth, basically. So really, we're at that point. I'm hoping to, and I'm totally borrowing the old FDR phrase and that, I'm hoping to have a little fireside chat event here in the next week or two as we're getting started for early voting. Just, you know, come on over ask me anything you want kind of deal. If you want to sign, I'll, I'll have some and just trying to, to be amongst this mix. And you know, the way I've been thinking about it too is because I've never done anything like this before. At least I, a now know stuff. If I ever choose to do it again mm-hmm. in a way that I didn't before and B, even if I'm one of the eight, cause that's the other guy, eight of us are getting eliminated on September 14th. Could I be one of the eight? Yeah, sure. I, I absolutely could. It'll still be fun as heck for the rest of my life just to see, okay, well, I tried to run it. Here's how many votes I get. Just to look at from a posterity point of view. And you'll have signs. Because I never thought I'd actually do any of this. I just always, like I said, tried to pay attention to things as best I could. And I have the privilege and ability to actually, in theory, try to do something about it. This is... This is my plan. Where's yours? Again, as Stewie quoted to Brian once. And there's all, all sorts of ways people can do this. And I wanted to you know, try something you know, a little different, see if I could be just a different voice for us. If it doesn't work out this time around, there's always another time or something else down the line. If anything, I, I guess I'm trying to, the message I'd also try to send out to people is, you know, that you could, if you really want to try you can and should be able to do this too. Yeah, and I think you're proving that. You will definitely have a loud and distinctive voice. And you'll yeah, have... make, make sure those dials are uh, <laughs> where, where they need to be. You don't want to overmodulate because that's a problem with me. You'll win the decimal race with everybody. <laughs> um, and I look forward to seeing how the next five and a half weeks or so unfold. It could be quite wild just because the, the sheer volume of the amount of people that are in this thing. Yeah, I mean, I think last time these seats came around, there was only 13, so it just barely went to the primary last time. And yeah, there's there's 20 of us. There's Dems, there's Republicans, there's not endorsed of each, there's independents, so it's a, it, it runs the whole gamut. And by the way, people, it won't say what party anybody is on. These are quote-unquote nonpartisan races when you see your ballot. So unless you do the research, you won't know which one they may or may not align with. And that I like that kind of aspect, you know, too, and that's perfect for a kind of local race. But it is definitely going to be interesting for all of us involved and seeing how this shakes out out here in the next month and a half absolutely yeah good luck with everything let me know how i can help and uh, i look forward to the volcanic fireside chat that you'll have yeah I, I, you know it starts because if i do it at my own place i have a fire pit in the backyard my lo- my wife loves going out and doing the spores and hanging out there so i thought well that just lends it to itself if i do it if I do it there as opposed to like a park or something, I could call it the fireside chat and there'd actually be a fire. 
Uh, maybe you can get yourself like a, a 1930s FDR suit, per, or I'm thinking maybe like a smoking jacket no, and, a, and a pipe. From one broadcaster to another, what I want is the 30s style microphones. You know, the those old things where they're not like nice like this. I want one of those where it's like the big circle old, old school mic. That now that for us in the broadcasting biz, that'd be the collector's item right there. Yes, and <laughs> nowadays you'll just be on Facebook doing it. Yep. Awesome. All right. Well, thanks again. No problem. Thank you.